This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica, have you slayed any giants lately? Well, being that I don't reach five feet in height, practically almost everyone is a giant to me, so I'm going to say no. Okay, I'm glad you haven't killed anyone lately. Yes, I'm sure that would be an issue. It would be. Yeah, should we talk about ethical issues of slaying dragon or slaying giants? Yeah, we can talk about that. This is episode number 39 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Jack the Giant Slayer. If you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussions of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the movie and you would appreciate that kind of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. As I mentioned this week, the film we're going to be talking about is Jack the Giant Slayer. Monica, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little information about the movie? Sure. Jack is a young farmhand, and he's played by Nicholas Holt, and he accidentally opens the gateway to the world of giants, and this ancient war restarts with giants against humans, which was once upon a time thought as only a legend, but now has become a reality, and he is forced to fight to save his life and that of the kingdoms and the princess he falls in love with. Yeah, it's basically just a retelling of the classic fairy tale. And it's worth pointing out that it's directed by Mr. Brian Singer. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. <laughs> Here's a clip. Where do you think you're going? What's the matter? Not enjoying the show? Hey, hey, that's no way to treat a lad. Oh, you looked a little too drunk to do that. Now, no, we'll say we let the good lady go home, and I'll consider forgetting all about this. We're sorry, sir. We, we don't want any trouble. Good. Because that's what you're going to get. Trouble. Yeah. All three of you. A whole lot of trouble. There's something behind me, isn't there? Okay, Monica, I don't know what you thought of this movie. I'm getting the impression, based on a few comments you've made while we've been recording, that you did not like this movie. I'm kind of lukewarm with it. Like, it had its fun spots, and then it had these moments that I was kind of like, am I watching a kid's film, or is this an adult film? So it was kind of weird, because tonally, it would change between the two like betrayal i think is a pretty deep concept or so and that's kind of something that comes into play and the whole huge murder of people because i remember back when 
War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg came through, even though all of the violence was bloodless, a lot of people raised questions about, is it okay that we just zap people out of its existence and only rate it like PG-13, where if there is one drop of blood, it automatically go into R rating. So that's its own MPAA question. I do think that the rating of this movie, the PG-13 rating, is one of the most interesting things about this movie, and it's what we're going to talk about a lot in part two, because I have a lot of thoughts about it. Okay, so I'll save the rest of that for then. But but so overall, you didn't like it, you just thought it was kind of inconsistent? Yeah, and I think it went about 10 minutes too long, maybe 10, 20 minutes too long. It's kind of, eh, take it or leave it. I really kind of liked this movie, oh, overall. Oh, so this was your Warm Bodies, I guess. I guess you could say that, even though I liked Warm Bodies too. I had some, I had some problems with the world building. You know what? I have a building. lot of questions about the world building here. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should save that for part two. Maybe it's a Nicholas Holt thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. He's, you know, dividing factor. I did not think that Nicholas Holt's performance was as compelling in this movie as it was in Warm Bodies. I don't think that's a compliment because he plays a zombie. He, did, he was a very charismatic and compelling screen presence I, as a zombie. That might be more of the writing, just saying. The thing about Jack the Giant Slayer is I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing about it at all. Like, I didn't even realize it was coming out until, like, the week before it came out. And then I was like, oh, wait, Brian Singer directed this? It's a movie about Jack and the Beanstalk? <laughs> but I, I went in having not seen any trailers. I assumed it was PG-13 going in. Yeah. But then, outside the theater, as I was walking in, I saw the poster for it, mm -hmm. and the poster looks terrible. It's an awful photoshopped poster. And, and I thought, oh my goodness, maybe this is a kid's movie. Maybe this is like a PG movie. And I was kind of like you. I spent most of the movie wondering whether it was a kid's movie or an adult movie. Like, I was really close to, t like, maybe taking my little sister, who's 11, to go see this. Here's the thing, Monica. I walked into the theater and there was a row of like nine and ten year old kids okay. sitting there. Mm -hmm. So that made me think it was PG. And I got to tell you, I spent most of the movie thinking it was PG and then came out and realized it was PG-13. And I think that if you go into this movie expecting a PG level family friendly kids film, I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think it I think it has some very enjoyable moments. I think it does some interesting things. Giant fart jokes. It has some some fart jokes and, and some childlike humor, some juvenile humor. But I I overall still had a blast once I got into that mindset of this isn't Lord of the Rings. There aren't going to be decapitations and dismemberments. I definitely would not want Lord of the Rings for any small child. <laughs> right. Like, I cannot believe that this movie had a PG-13, and we'll talk about that more in part two. But overall, I thought as a family-friendly kids movie, I think it's a lot of fun. I would encourage parents to take their kids to see it. Sure. You're not paying their therapist bills. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead, kids. Exorcist Part 2 is in theaters now. Honestly, the violence in this movie... No, yeah. I mean, it's not that bad. It's it's not even... We'll, we'll get into this in Part 2. It, it, it's not even near the level of other kid movies. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's not fantastic. But I walked out of the theater and thought, you know what? That wasn't 
half bad. Unlike many films this season, I did not hate myself for sitting through this. I think if you walk in expecting this, like, hard PG-13 action-packed violent fantasy adventure, you're going to be really disappointed. Mm -hmm. But if you walk in just expecting a fun family film, I think there's a lot to enjoy here. I mean... I'm, 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 I'm sorry you didn't like it as much as I did. There's also the thing, like, don't expect the Mystery Science Theater 3000 cult classic Jack the Giant Killer, because it's not that either. Well, originally it was titled Jack the Giant Killer, well, again, this is all stuff that's going to go into part two. I think when it when it comes to the rating and the marketing of this movie, I think the studio had no idea what to do. What to do? As as usual. And I'm I'm actually kind of sad. The movie really didn't do well over the weekend. It only made twenty eight million dollars domestically. It cost nearly two hundred million dollars to make. Rich, can we talk about why Arab movies costing so much all the time? Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to? I mean, talk we about can talk it? about it in part two, because part two is obviously when we're going to go off the rails on a bunch of things. But it, the fact that the last Jack the Giant Killer, or whatever, um, back in the 1970s, probably cost about a cool two hundred thousand or so <laughs> with visual effects, right? And they still had an audience. You know, their profit margin. They might have like been laughed out of the theater, but I think they might have not gone bankrupt like these cats might. Not that Brian Singer's in any danger or anything, but, you know, no Heaven's Gate. Well, that's the other thing. It is a Brian Singer movie, and Brian Singer's a very hit-and-miss filmmaker. Yeah. Like, Usual Suspects, that's how he burst onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And that is still a fantastic movie that holds up. X-Men 1 and 2, I still really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But the past few years, his work hasn't been that impressive. Superman Returns was disappointing. Valkyrie was pretty terrible okay and so i thought as a brian singer movie this is this is more of a hit mm -hmm. than a miss and I, I, let's be honest even though the movie's not groundbreaking or absolutely fantastic it has a fantastic cast and they seem like they're all having a good time mm -hmm. and as a result I was having fun for most of the movie. Ewan McGregor is clearly having fun. He plays sort of the a knight, a captain of the guard yeah. in this movie. I thought he was great. Ian McShane, unfortunately, has a pretty small role as the king. Sad father. Yes, and the sad father, yes. Sad Ian McShane. <laughs> sad Ian McShane. But, you know, he, he does well with the material mm -hmm. he's given. And Stanley Tucci always chews the scenery. So that's fun to watch. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, overall, I'm not gonna say it's a fantastic movie, but I enjoyed myself. I mean, I have problems with some of the characters, but that's all part two stuff because it goes into storyline. I mean, do you want to? Can you can you explain a little bit about those issues without talking spoilers? Um, there's stuff that's hinted in the characters that's just not followed through. That. It looks like dead ends or, I don't know, trying to say this in a crafty way that would not go into spoilers, but something towards the beginning happens that makes you feel like Ewan McGregor has different feelings for a character and then is never touched upon ever again. <laughs> it's just that yes, kind of dropped. I can see that. And also, I will acknowledge that the mechanism for which the this plot really get started mm -hmm. like the inciting incident mm -hmm. makes no sense at all 
when you stop to think about it. Like also, monks? it's a pretty terrible way to st- to start <laughs> a movie. Yes, there are monks in the movie. Monks become involved because they're very topical right now. The opening ten to fifteen minutes of the movie aren't that great, and it's some pretty shoddy storytelling. But then once they actually launch into it, and then you have the beanstalk, and you get into the giants, I I was fairly entertained for most of the film. Anything else you want to say about Jack the Giant Slayer? Yeah, let's go into spoilers, because this this is just itching to dive deep in deconstruction. Okay, well I think that'll wrap it up for part one of our episode on Jack the Giant Slayer. Don't forget to tune in to part two for a much more in-depth look at the film. And I don't think we've announced this yet on the show, but uh, next week we're not going to be having a regular episode. Or, or if we do, it will not be with you, Monica, unfortunately. I might have to do an episode with someone else. But that is because, Monica, you're going to South by Southwest. Yes, I'm taking off to Austin, Texas for a couple weeks. I'll let you know if there's anything good worth catching, hopefully within the next couple months. I really need my faith reaffirmed in the power of movies and good audiences, and I'm going to find that in the Alamo Draft House, hopefully. Hopefully. So yeah, you, you'll you'll be uh, bringing us some reports from Austin, and you'll hopefully be doing some really cool interviews while you're there as well. Yep. So be sure to be checking filmgeekradio.com for all that coverage from South by Southwest. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including our newest show, Cage Side. Monica, where can people find more of your work? People can find my work reposted on my Twitter account at mcastimovies, M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find them at the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Cinema Fix. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week in Ohio. Goodbye. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!